0: Book of Genesis, chapter forty-three, is where we are reading this morning, We're at least going to be looking today. Genesis chapter number forty-three. Again, we're going to be looking in chapters forty-three and forty-four, so. Take a time, we won't read the chapters, but I hope you'll follow along. We will discuss several verses here. Hear what God will say to us again this morning. Genesis 43 again is where we are. And in honor of Mother's Day, we should probably begin with the acknowledgement That motherly superpower that knows what your child is doing, even when they are hiding it from you. Again, I don't know where this came from. Children were born in three different hospitals, and none of them, as far as I know, I guess I wasn't with Mary all the time, but most of the time, None of them gave it to her. And I know that because she had it before we had children, when it was just me and her. (laughs) But what is it, that superpower that you can look at your kid and say, what exactly are you doing? And you know fully well what they are. But you ask them that question, and think about why you asked them that question, probably one of the reasons because you want to find out if your child is going to lie to you or if they're going to repent and confess that what they are doing is wrong and that they need to stop. The word repent, of course, means to change direction, the change course. It is an admission that the way you're on is the wrong way, and that you need to change your path. Last week we mentioned that Joseph sees his brothers for the first time in 20 years or so. Famine is raging in Egypt and parts of the ancient Near East. The family of Jacob is feeling the pressure. The ground is not producing the grain in order to feel, feed the livestock, to feed the family. And rumor is told that there is grain and abundance in the land of Egypt. So Joseph, Jacob sends his 10 oldest sons down to go get grain. And so here they come, as we mentioned last week, and they stand before Joseph and do not recognize this man who has matured, has grown from 17 now, close to 40 years old, and he's dressed, of course, as an Egyptian. To be quite honest, they had probably blocked him out of their memory. They've just accepted the fact that they will never see their brother again. And yet Joseph, when he sees his brothers, immediately knows who they are, immediately recognizes them. And as we talked about last week in chapter 42, he begins to to challenge these guys. He begins to accuse them of being spies, seeking to take advantage of the grain that they have. There in Egypt. And of course, as I mentioned last week, this this testing immediately begins to expose the guilt, the remorse that was buried deep inside of these guys. Last 20 years of their treatment of Joseph. Genesis 42, verse 21 says, They said to one another, In truth, we we are guilty concerning our brother. And then we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us, and we did not listen. This is why this distress has come upon us. If you weren't here last week and you're not familiar, of course, with the story of Joseph, we know that Joseph was his father's favorite son. His son, number 11 of 12, his father cared for him more than his other brothers causing, of course, jealousy and enmity between them. They had a chance to kill Joseph because they were alone and their father was far away, but they decided not to kill him, but instead to sell him into slavery. So they sold him into slavery, of course, and took his coat, ripped it to shred, dipped it in the blood of an animal, and took it to his father, said, Something has happened to your son father believes that his son is dead for 20 years these guys have lived with this secret lived with this guilt of knowing what they had done was wrong but here joseph just accuses them of being spies he he doesn't say anything about his own alleged death yet these guys Again, to fester, all that guilt begins to fester up and they admit and realize we have done something wrong. And Again, when you mothers confront your children, you're, you're asking them to confess their sin and you're, you're trying to see within them, is there a heart of repentance? Is there a change in action and behavior? You want to see if you would the true marks of repentance. As Joseph begins to test these guys, we see this is his ambition to find whether or not true repentance is taking place. And so we get into our text, and we notice first of all that the that the famine forces Jacob. The famine forces Jacob to sin. Benjamin, to Egypt. Again, as I've already mentioned, Jacob sends his ten oldest sons, Joseph being number 11. His younger brother, full brother, Benjamin, the last son, was left behind when they went initially. Of course, you'll recall from last week, chapter 42, where Jacob, again, is testing these guys, and he comes up with a plan. Hey, why don't one of you stay here in prison under my captivity? The rest of you guys go home, get your brother, bring him back, and I'll let you go because I'll know that you're honest and you're not guilty of spies. Go back and they tell Jacob, this is what the man said. And Jacob says, there there is no way. I'm sending Benjamin. I've already lost Joseph. Now Simeon is in prison. And and if I send Benjamin, that's going to be it. Of course, there's a problem. There's a famine. Ground is still not producing grain. Joseph had told Pharaoh there would be seven years of famine. Famine. Famine that was so great that it would make the seven years of plenty look like nothing. Famine is raging and Jacob is seeing the original supply they had bought from Egypt is dwindling to nothing. So chapter 43, verse 1, the famine was severe in the land. And when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, the father said to them, Go again and buy us a little food. Go back to Egypt. He knew what the stipulation was for them to go back to Egypt, but instead he just just go back to Egypt. Judah in verse three says to him, the man solemnly solemnly warned us, saying, "You cannot see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you won't send him, we're not going down." man said to us, you will not see my face, your brother is with you. Jacob is all now hoping that somehow they're going to forget that Benjamin has to go, or maybe this man is going to forget, go get food. And Judah has to remind him, no, we cannot go get food unless Benjamin is with us. So look here in verse 6. Israel said, why? Why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? They replied, the man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred saying, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was an answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, bring your brother down? There's no way of knowing. He just asked, how many is in your family? We told him, how how in the world were we supposed to know that he would say, I have to see your other brother? Judah says, look, I'll be responsible. I'll be responsible for Benjamin. I will bear the blame if something happens to Benjamin. You can hold me accountable Look, Dad, we could have been there twice over. If only you would have relented. Let Benjamin go down with us. So what does Jacob do? Verse 11, the father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags. Carry a little present to the man, a little balm and honey, gum and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother, verse 13, and arise. Go. Go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. And may he send back your other brother in Benjamin. As for me, I am bereaved of my children. I and do, you, do you see the actions there of Jacob in this section? Why did you do this? Why did you tell him? Why did you say to him, we have a brother? Again, somehow it's their fault. Here, take a gift. Let's take all kinds of, of goodies with you to pacify this man. Take the money. In fact, take double the money. God have mercy on you. I lose Benjamin. I lose Benjamin. There is in that statement, of course, a reaction. I have lost Joseph. I have lost Simeon. and, And now I'm going to lose Benjamin as well. Woe is me. Feel sorry for me. Again, you have to ask the question, where where is the responsibility on the part of Jacob? Where's the responsibility for his involvement in his whole charade? Does he not remember that his favoritism that he showed towards Joseph is what got him into this trouble in the first place? The fact that he was willing to to love Joseph over all the other brothers and and make him a fancy coat when all the rest of them are out shivering in the cold winters is what leads to these guys and their resentment towards their own father. Jacob doesn't do that. Woe is me. Feel sorry for me. I've got such a hard life. But we also have to notice here the actions of Judah again. Mentioned it, but verse 9 says, Judah says to his father, I will be a pledge of his safety from my hands. You shall require him. If I don't bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. Again, Jacob says, It's your fault. You shouldn't have told the man. You shouldn't have shared this information as if they knew what Joseph was going to do. Judah says, I will bring Benjamin back. If not, I will bear the blame. You know, the willingness to take responsibility is a mark of true repentance. It is I, I alone, who have sinned. It is me and me only who bear this guilt. But now we have people standing stand there in the halls of Washington and they have been in the Congress, Senate for decades, probably longer than most of us have been alive. I don't know why our country's in the mess we are in. You've been there a million years. You think maybe you have some part? Of course not. They don't want to bear responsibility. We see this over and over. You don't have to look politically. You can look at probably a lot of jobs, a lot of families, whatever it is. It's always somebody else's fault. You leave work five, or you leave your home five minutes before you get to work. You know it's a 20 mile commute. And it's grandma's fault that she's driving slow on Route 33. Really? Really? You ever thought about leaving earlier? Getting up earlier? Well, what? nobody at that job likes me. That's why I've had 20 jobs in 10 weeks. Well, maybe. Ever thought about showing up on time and doing an honest day's worth of work? Judah has changed. I will be responsible for Benjamin again. A few minutes ago, a few years ago, I should say, take Joseph and kill him. Now he says, my life will be required for Benjamin. Benjamin. Famine forces Jacob's hand, and then we see, secondly, the brothers are treated favorably in Egypt. Verse 15 tells us that they head to Egypt. As they arrive, Joseph again sees him, and he notices Benjamin is with him. Verse 16, when Joseph saw Benjamin with him, he said to the steward of his house, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. Who knows how many people were affected by this famine, how many were coming into Egypt at the time, but I guarantee you Joseph wasn't sitting there saying, oh, look, here's a guy from Saudi Arabia, bring him in the house, let's feast. And yes, I know Saudi Arabia probably wasn't a country back then. Don't judge me. He <laughs> probably wasn't bringing somebody in from Felicia, wherever you might want to say, oh, come and feast with me. For some reason, these guys, bring an animal, let's have a feast. Causes great fear among the brothers as they're are sure it's because of the money. This guy is setting them up, and he's going to throw them all into prison. I like their reaction here. Verse 19, they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and they spoke with him at the door of the house and they said, oh, my Lord, we we came down the first time to buy food and and when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks and and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight and we have brought it again with us. We have brought other money down with us to buy food. We don't know how or who put our money down. In our sacks, again, what do you see? You see full admittance, full stating, stating we have money, we're here, we're sorry we have it, we don't know how we got into this situation, but here it is. Last week, my wife had a situation at work, she found money on the ground, and Voted to a co-worker. He said, oh, it might be my money. I, I don't know. I don't really know how much money is in my pocket. But man, how much is he getting paid? Because he's getting paid a lot more than she <laughs> is. But here he is. I, I don't know. But hey, you found money. I'll take it. said, she gave it to another co-worker and said, no one claims it. This guy said it might be his. Now, in full honesty, is only $5, but you know how it is. If you find $20 somewhere, it's mine. I don't know if I had it or not. I, I don't know if I lost it or not, but I'm sure it's got to be mine. There's there's usually not a not a lot of honesty, is there, when it comes to finding money. But when your heart is changed, there is. Your heart is truly right before God. There is honesty that comes in the play. These guys tell them, we have found money. Amazing thing is, of course, Joseph instructs his stewards, tell them, no, you did not lose money. We have the money. It's good. Don't worry. And they sit down. They brought to Joseph's house. Verse 34 again. Tells us portions were taken to them from Joseph's table. Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and they were merry with him. I mean, what in the world is going on here? These guys come in fear and trembling and in trepidation. They come scared for their lives. They're willing to to give this money. I mean, they can hardly wait to to give it to him, to tell him that this has happened. And here they are being brought into his house, no doubt a luxurious palace to be in, and they're eating this wonderful feast when, when the rest of the world is in a place of famine. And Benjamin gets five times Can't understand why? What's going on? The answer, of course, is found in chapter 44. A third point this morning, which is this: Joseph, Joseph tests these brothers. They're treated spectacularly. They're given a great feast, money, lots of grain. Benjamin gets a ton of food. Now they're sent home, and unbeknownst to them, again. Genesis 44, verse 1, he commanded the steward of the house, fill the men's sack with food as as much as they can carry and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack and put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his money for the grain. He did as Joseph told him. As much as I want to say the moral of this story is make sure you check your grocery bags when you leave giant this afternoon. It's it's not it, but here they are again. They've got full sacks of grain and right in the middle a silver cup. And, And we're told the reason for this move. Genesis 44, verse 3, as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. They'd only gone a short distance. And Joseph said to his steward, up, follow after the men. And when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is it not from this that my Lord drinks, and by this he practices divination? You have done evil in this. They protest. They're telling him again, I I don't know what you're talking about, but, but he opens up their sacks, and right there in Benjamin's sack, verse 12, he searched, beginning with the eldest, ending with the youngest cup was found in Benjamin's sack. The trap again has sprung. The cup is found not just in any one of the eleven sacks, but rather in Benjamin's. The baby, the youngest, the only re- remaining tie to Rachel that Jacob thinks he has. Right back at Joseph's place, and he accuses them of their actions. Judah confesses their guilt in verse 16, and Joseph has an answer for their guilt. Far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose cup or in whose hand the cup was found will be my servant. But as for you, go. Go in peace. You see the test, don't you? Brothers have a chance to sell one of their own into slavery again. They have a chance to get off scot-free and now let one of their brothers go into slavery again. Twenty years ago, they would have made a deal. They did make a deal. They saw some men coming by and they said, hey, we've got a slave here in this pit. Would you like to take him? Give us some money. They run down to McDonald's. They run out for ice cream. They buy themselves new shoes, whatever they did. They laugh at the fact Joseph is gone. This is what they would have done. Somehow, somehow their life has been changed. Verse 18, Judah goes up to Joseph. Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears. Don't let your anger burn against your servant. I realize how great you are. You're like Pharaoh himself. And Judah says, Please listen to me. He spills the beans. Our father father is old. He loved Joseph. He's dead set against Benjamin coming only way he would allow him to come is if I would be a guarantee for him. If I would stand in his place and require or give my life on behalf of Benjamin's. Verse 30, now, therefore, as soon as I came to your servant, my father and the boy is not with us. And as my life is bound up with the boy's life, as soon as he sees the boy is not with us, he will die. Your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. Verse 32, for your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then I will bear the blame before my father all my life. Now, therefore, please. Please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord. Let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father? If the boy is not with me. I fear the evil. I fear to see the evil. But find my father. Do you see the change that has taken place? Do you see the brokenness in his life, and all the brothers' lives? Do you see in this story the marks, the marks of what it means to truly, truly be a repentant individual? If not, let me provide them for you this morning. When you are truly repent, first of all, you You accept responsibility for your actions. We're the ones that have done this. We're the ones that have committed this sin against Joseph. We're the ones that have done wrong in this situation. Twenty years ago, it was... Look at the way dad is treating him. We're out here tending the sheep, and he's sitting in the air conditioned house drinking iced tea or lemonade or whatever. Now Judah says, Look, it's my fault. Accept responsibility. I don't know why my spouse doesn't like me. Why? She's angry at me. Well maybe you should look at your life and ask you where am I not accepting responsibility for what is going on? I don't understand why. what's going on. Maybe again you know and I, I say it in a silly manner but but it's so true. We're like acting like it's the worst thing in the world that Somebody's actually going to speed limit on a highway, and, and you think maybe you should have realized, you know, it's kind of busy. Maybe you should plan, prepare. Maybe you should understand if you treat people a certain way, they're going to react that way. Maybe you should understand if you do that sinful action, it's going it's to have consequences. I don't know why the police are showing up at my door at midnight. Well, stop robbing the bank. It's not that hard to figure out. Again, you look at your life. We want to blame everyone and anyone. We don't want to look at ourselves and say, maybe, maybe I've done something wrong. Marks of true repentance, it's accepting responsibility. Secondly, it's also, it's also refusing to deal dishonestly. Again, I could take Benjamin's coat and shred it up and say, sorry, Dad, it happened again. What's the odds? No, he tells Jacob, you can have my life in exchange for Benjamin." not going to be dishonest. I'm not going to live my life in a dishonest manner anymore. I'm not going to tell my mother that despite the fact that there's crumbs all over my fingers and chocolate all over my lips that I was not eating the cookies. See, when we as Christians get past this state of dishonesty, we're not going to be dishonest with our Father. We're not going to be dishonest with this Prime Minister. We're just simply going to tell the truth. Marks of true repentance, accepting, admitting, responsibility, refusing to be dishonest. Number three, rectifying the situation, making it right. Making it right. You can have my life in exchange for Benjamin's. I'll give my life for his if that's what it takes, Dad. I want to make things right with you. We turn the attention not on Joseph or his brothers, but to you. Your life, your situation. Are you owning up to the mistakes, the sins, the failures that you have done? Are you looking at your life and, again, not blaming others, but saying, yeah, this is on me. This is what I have done. This is where I have fallen short taking the steps necessary to rectify, to make right what it is that you have made wrong. See, the king thought he had gotten away with his actions. Suddenly this man shows up in his throne room and says, let me tell you about a guy who owns a lot of sheep. This guy who owned a lot of sheep saw his neighbor with one little little lamb. Instead of being content with his thousands of sheep, he looked at that one little lamb and said, I want that one. David was filled with anger and rage against that man for treating his neighbor in such a way. Nathan said to him, You are that man. You have stolen by taking Bathsheba, your neighbor's sheep. What did David do? Read it to you here, Psalm 51. David said these words, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me Purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Lot out all of my iniquities. Create in me. Clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. David prayed that prayer. And here's the good news. This is not from Psalm 51, but Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy. O you upright in heart. See, when we truly confess and ask God for forgiveness, guess what? He gives it every single time. We ask God to create a clean heart within us. He does it. We're going to see next week the outcome of Judah and Simeon and Reuben and Levi and Issachar and Dan and Nephthilim. And on and on we're going to see the outcome of a truly repentant heart. But I ask you this morning. Is there something in your life that God has been dealing with you over? Maybe it's time to come clean. Maybe it's time to make it right. Maybe it's time to stop pointing the finger at your neighbor your spouse. And point the finger at yourself. Maybe it's time to say, only you that have sinned against, O oh God. Create in me a clean heart. And let's pray this morning, shall we? Lord, it's so easy to to equivocate. It's so easy to To look at others and say, Yeah, if it wasn't for them. So much harder to look at ourselves and say, It's my life, my actions, my decisions have got me in this mess. And yet, yeah, God, that is what you require from us. reality is, just as in the life of Joseph and his brothers, that you, you don't stand there with condemnation, guilt, you stand with forgiveness. But you ask, first of all, that we we would acknowledge, confess, turn to you. Lord, maybe there's someone here today that they've been blaming others, they've been excusing, they've been saying, well, it's everybody else's fault that I'm doing this thing. Lord, I pray today that your spirit would convict them, that your kindness, your goodness would reach them, that you would let them know, know it's you, you'd also let them know that there's forgiveness and hope for them. Maybe they need to take that next step in rectifying and dealing with the situation that is broken. Give them the strength and the ability to do so. Let them know that there's a God who loves them. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that you would create a mess, a clean heart. You'd renew our spirits. We can stand before you and know that we are forgiven, that we are free, that we are made well. Do this in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And stand together, let's close here at this song of prayer, confession from Psalm 51 that we've already read this. challenge you, take your Bible, read Psalm 51, read it until those words sink into your heart. You're here today and you've confessed and you've asked and that guilt is still there. I challenge you to read Psalm 32. Understand God does forgive. That forgiveness today. Amen. So glad you're here. Father, we thank you for your presence. Again, we pray your blessing upon each and every mother, on each and every lady. Pray that your spirit would be with him, go with him. Lord, we pray that you would may your face to shine upon us. You lift up your countenance towards us. Give us peace today, we pray. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We do have a special gift in the back for all of you ladies, mothers or not. Take one with you. You will want it. Trust me, there's lots of chocolate in there, I think. so. <laughs> take one for all of you guys. Take a baby bottle because um, you're a whiner anyways, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. Take those with you. God bless you this morning. Thanks for coming today.